All right. So today's topic is Magain Abraham. Um, we're just, I think it looks like based on my flag, assuming I have it placed right, um, we didn't finish just some final smaller points about Melech Ozer and Moshiach Magain. We talked about it at length in some larger topics last week, but it looks like we didn't quite finish or just some, some more ways of defining Melech Ozer or Moshiach Magain, um, which is kind of helpful because you get the Magain and then you're going to move into Magain Avraham, so I don't want to skip that. Um, so Melech Ozer. So Rav Schwab says this. Melech, first of all, he says, here's the first use of Melech, right? We had that whole missing Melech problem mm-hmm. some long time ago. <laughs> um, and we recognize Hashem first as Melech here. Now, what he doesn't say is why here exactly. Um, and I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I'm guessing it has something to do with Kabbalah's Malchus. You know, we're kind of coming out of Shema as the preparation for Shemona Esrei. And in Shema, there was the Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim, the desiring of it. And over here, we have this description of Hashem as the God of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and all the qualities are paired up and, and paralleled to Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. Gadol Giborn, it keeps lining up and lining up and lining up. And even that Gomel Chasadim Tovim and Zocher Chasdeavos, maybe Golev Nevenehem, Lema and Shemo, it's for Hashem's glory and his name, the Ahava. It could be that that's how we got to Melech. I don't know that for a fact. It's just a hunch that it's that process of the avos in accepting Malchus Shemayim. That when we get to Livnei Venehem, the children's children, mm-hmm. then it's on that basis that we're evoking our Malchus Shemayim, which we just did, mm-hmm. to prepare ourselves here. And so now we have Melech Ozeru Moshiach again. But that's just a suspicion. So we describe him as Melech, the king, and as Ozer, the one who helps. And he says, what is Ozer, helping? So helping means that we're also doing something. If Hashem is the Melech and does something for us, we could theoretically be passive. Although Melech really implies, right, the um, Melech implies that we've made someone Melech. Right, as opposed to Moshel. There is that, like, up front, right? But the action of the king doesn't necessarily depend on us. He has the power to take care of whatever needs to be done. But Ozer for sure means we are working on it, too, because it's only helping. So when we make an effort to make ourselves worthy of the Geula, he helps us in this effort. Now, that's really interesting, and I'm, I'm sure the phrasing isn't accidental, it, it's not, we aren't yet worthy of Geula as far as we know. So first of all, Rav Schwab is applying this phrase backwards. So this applies to Melech Ozer and Moshiach again. Hashem brings a redeemer to the children's children, and he helps us to, be, to merit that. And I think that part of it, because it's an ongoing redemptive process, is a process of our trying to become worthy of that. Whether we see the national redemption in our lifetimes or not, it's nonetheless an avoda of our life, a mission in our life to 
make ourselves more worthy of that. That's still an achievement. It's not, the success of that is not gauged by whether we actually live in the days of Mashiach. We wouldn't say that, that Rashi or the Rambam, right, was somehow hadn't achieved enough because it wasn't, didn't happen in their days. And so the same for us, Lahavdil, right? Like we, the effort is to become worthy of redemption. Mm-hmm. Whether or not it actually happens, we can still be within the process. But there are times when as a nation we make no effort or very little effort to be worthy of being redeemed. And then we refer to Hashem as Moshiach, the one who saves us. <laughs> so <laughs> he saves us even when we're helpless and have made no effort toward Geula. Okay, so what about Magain? We have Melech, Ozer, Umoshiach, Umagain. Magain, the normal translation is shield. Magain means that Hashem protects us during the Gullus from the evil which our enemies plan for our destruction. And sometimes that shield takes very strange forms. He says, God protects us in very strange <coughs> ways. Now remember, Rav Schwab originally was from Germany. Um, anti-Semitism is an example of this. He says anti-Semitism itself has been a shield for the Jewish people in many generations. Um, and the case he brings is Russia. If there had been no anti-Semitism in Russia, not a single Russian Jew would have remained Jewish. Right? You had a massive Haskalah movement in Russia. You had massive... Um, that's even before the communist movement, right? I mean, the communist movement was had a lot of Jewish leaders. So, and then you come later, and there was the whole the whole under the USSR, and there was so much assimilation and so much blending in. And if it hadn't been for the fact that the non-Jews were anti-Semitic and labeled everyone on their passports, who's to say if anyone would have been left? So it was only the blatant anti-Semitism in Russia that Russian Jews were reminded that they were Jewish. But he says the concept of Hashem as a magin, as a shield, is more than that. During the end of Gullus, it will be the darkest time of Gullus. This is the, the idea of Ikvasa the Mashiach or Ayelet Hashachar, the morning star that's in, that you see in the darkest time in the night. Mm-hmm. That the night gets darker and darker before it gets lighter. Um, he says the word Shachar, morning, is the same letters as Shachor, black. Which is really interesting, because you would think that shahar would be the same letters as, like, blue or white or yellow. But it's not. It's black. Because the beginning of daytime is rooted in nighttime. Um, and to the extent, and I think I've mentioned this before, it's not something that's easy to talk about, but the Chachomim said, It's my, it's my wish that Mashiach will come, but I don't want to see him. Right? You've heard that idea before. I think it's come up, but it's a hard one, right? Like, you know, so where does that leave us? We also really want to see him. But if people who knew were afraid of that time, that it would be hard to bear. So it certainly could be hard to bear for us. But presumably, whatever generation we're in, we are equipped to rise to the challenge of the situation we will be in. Um, And... What Rav Schwab explains is what they didn't want to see was the darkness of the Chilol Hashem and Kfira in the world. It's based on the Gemara and Sota. That the darkness is not only the darkness of the Holocaust and the darkness of the cruelty in the world, but the darkness of, as in contrast to the light, 
the light of Torah, the light of knowledge, the light of recognizing Hashem. The darkness then is apostasy and kfira and apikorsus and the chutzpah and the chilu Hashem that will be there, which is also an interesting thing. I had never thought about it in that sense, that that would be the ultimate sort of darkness. And it is, because if you think about how much suffering we have emotionally and spiritually when we can't, to the extent that we don't, aren't able to constantly see things in light of Torah and Hashem's presence in our lives, the more that's hidden from us, the more we suffer. Regardless of how bad the physical situation is, the more we I mean, we live in our generations in sort of unprecedented wealth and prosperity and lack of fear for personal safety in the United States. And, and a lot, so far, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's guaranteed. And yet, there's probably unprecedented levels of unhappiness, too, and depression. It's a, it's an, it should, that should be paradoxical. That shouldn't fit together. It is paradoxical, but it shouldn't be like, I mean, we would not anticipate that. So, you know, you can look at, like, the sort of cognitive behavioral side of that and say, well, maybe it's too much choice or it's too much pressure. You know, there's too many options, so it's hard to ever think you're making a good choice. But essentially, it's... This sort of, the physical world may seem very bright, but what it's doing is drowning out our ability to see our spiritual life. And so it's hard to tune in and say, oh, something's happening to me. There must be a purpose to that. What is the message? How can I change? How can I be different? And what becomes lacking then is a sense of both empowerment and a role in God's world and a feeling of meaning. And a feeling of not having meaning is a feeling of depression. And so that's a battle that we fight more apparently, I mean, according to statistics, we're fighting that much more now than it was ever being fought before, and it's a very difficult battle to fight because the more you need to fight the battle, the less capable you feel of fighting it, essentially, in that particular area. Um, and he says that this time of the, the Ikvasa de Meshicha, when the world will be filled with the darkness of immorality and apostasy, seems to apply to our times. There's a, a kfira in God that started a few hundred years ago and has spread to such a great level throughout society and all levels of society where there are no moral values or moral values that are not, not values at all and are just changeable and swappable and, and whatever is convenient. And what that brings around to, and we talked about this, I think Ian Parshas told us, I know it was a shear that I gave in the Tuesday class on Hanos and Le'ayv Koch, but I'm pretty sure that it was close enough to Parshas told us that I also gave it here on a Shabbos. Mm -hmm about Esav. When, ya when Esav came in that day that Abraham died, <coughs> mm -hmm. and he said, I'm so tired. Right? I we did yeah. talk about this. I'm so tired. And Yaakov's heart sank. Because you're so drained, you're so tired, that means whatever you've been expending your energy on wasn't fueled by godliness. Um, and the Medrash teaches that at that mo it's sort of in that conversation, in that moment, in that hour, that Esav said, laced in Velestayan. There's no judge, there's no judgment. Mm -hmm. That was what he took from Avraham's death. Avram dies, Nimrod dies, there must be no judge, there must be no judgment, I'll just do whatever I want. And that's, that's kind of the ultimate play out of Edom then, living in a world that's so dominated still by Edom, then what the world has become dominated by is least in Velestion on a moral level. And the fact that there are any any people who identify as the Jewish nation then is because of Avraham, who's Avraham Ha'ivri, 
Avraham who could stand on one side while everybody else stood on the other side. And it's a harder and harder challenge, and it's being accentuated in our generation by the fact that, I was going to say somewhere out there, but it's, it's somewhere reaching everywhere. There are people who speak in the name of God and perform actions that are not worthy of anything, you know, that are so anti-God that it makes it harder and harder for people who are honest followers of Hashem and of the Torah to talk about it. It was hard enough already. And it gets harder and harder and harder for somebody to say, I am religious. I follow the Torah. I'm going to do this because God said so. People will be like, where's your sword? Right? That must be an immoral way to talk. It's, the tables become turned. And now moral people don't talk about faithfulness to religion or to God or to doing God's will. That would only be immoral people who would speak that way and use it as a justification for all kinds of heinous, vicious, cruel activities. So we're living in a time where we're really called upon to be the children of Avraham Ha'ivri, Avraham who could stand on one side while everyone was on the other side and still be able to be himself. And so when he comes back from fighting with the kings, Hashem says to him, Al-Tira Avraham, Anochim lach, do not be afraid, I'm a shield for you. In other words, even though you've been dealing with Sodom, with a culture that has no morals, and whatever moral values it has are only self, they're, they're false. They're, just, they're not just that they're wrong, but they're created after the fact to justify people's self, selfishness, right? Sodom had rules like if guests come, cut their feet off to fit the bed, right? Or, <laughs> right? The way you give charity is with marked funds so that you can identify who perpetrated the charity. Right? So it's kind of like, it, it, it's, it's almost worse than no values at all is where you pretend you've got that, right? And here you are, you've been like dirtied by contact. You go and save Sodom, right? Moshe went and saved Sodom. That's unbelievable, right? And Hashem says, don't worry, I'll protect you. I'll be a protection for who you are. You think you're going to be destroyed through this. You're going to lose your zechuyos through this because of fighting this battle, because of Right? You did something that was, that was to be right and to be good, and yet, what is that going to make you, and what have you perpetrated? What have you allowed to stay in the world? And when Hashem brings about our final redemption, may we go a Laman it will be because Hashem will protect us physically and spiritually. In the same way that Hashem said, just like I protected you in your physical battle with Sodom, don't worry, I'm protecting you in your spiritual battle with Sodom. So, so too, we evoke that in saying, Melech Ozer Umoshia Umagin. You are our king, you are our helper, you are our savior, and you are our shield. That's kind of the final word of all of it, is you're the shield. You protect us physically and spiritually. After all the other help is over, the Melech, the Ozer, the Moshia, we still need a Magin, because it's not just physically getting through it all, it's spiritually surviving it all. Okay, so a couple other versions of going through these definitions of Melech Ozer Um The Maharal says, I saw this in the Siddur of the Maharal, it's technically from Teferis Yisrael, Hashem Yisbarach no Sein Shua, Hashem Yisbarach brings salvation. He says, how do we understand the definition of being saved? Moshia is one who saves. So we're saying God saves us. He says, well, if someone is saved, then by definition, the person had no ability to save themselves. Because 
if you could save yourself, that's not Yeshua, that somebody else came and did it. The, the salvation of Yeshua suggests within it that you yourself were helpless to actuate that kind of saving for yourself. Chua is only the definition of teshua, of being saved or salvation, is that it comes from the outside. It's a gift from outside. There's nothing you could have done on the inside to make that happen. I imagine, I, I don't know, but I, I imagine that he's also contrasting that to Ozer, right? Helping. Where with helping, there's something you're doing to help. To, to activate it, to trigger it, to, you know, someone throws the life preserver and you reach out and grab it, something. But with Moshia, the person's drowning and someone just comes and pulls them out. They couldn't do anything to save themselves. Okay, Rav Chaim Kanievsky quotes his Rebbe, Rav Eliyahu Doshnitzer, Ozer, when I do, and Hashem helps and assists. Moshia, when Hashem does all of it. So then what's Magain? Shield. <laughs> like, how does that fit into the pattern? <coughs> Is when Hashem protects me that this thing doesn't affect me at all. Like a shield that stops an arrow from even coming into my space. In other words, what he did was he built it up to greater and greater degrees of help. Right? Ozer, Hashem helps. Moshia, he saves me, but then there's a problem already that I'm being saved from. Mugging is protecting me from the problem coming on me in the first place. Do you want me to close the window? No. Okay. Or do you want hot water? No. Okay. Okay. Now I heard, oh, I didn't hear actually. Rabbi Leff brings the Vilna Gaon saying like this, Ozer, man initiates effort, and that is the prerequisite for God's divine assistance. In other words, Hishtabos. That Hashem helps is that we made an effort, and the, it's not just we made an effort and God also, like we're both partners in this. It's that we made an effort, and that effort somehow triggers or allows to happen Hashem's help for us. So it's just like Hashem will, will bless you in all that you do. Like for Parnassa would come into that type of typical category. Moshia is when the person is helpless to act in a significant way. And Magain, when a person acts in a manner actively detrimental to his well-being and counterproductive to his own goal. So that, like, why would I, I mean, that, that's weird because it would seem like Hashem is helping more and he's doing something wrong. He said, but the example he gives is like when someone allows themselves to be killed al-Kiddush Hashem. Now that's, of course, an extreme example. But any time a person, I think you could take smaller examples of and probably apply it to that as well. Sorry. Um, so when you, when you know that it's responsible for you, a proper hishtablis, to go to bed by a certain time at night in order that you have a certain amount of energy to do your avoda the next day. And when you don't do that, then you're liable to be crabbier or to make the wrong choices or to eat the wrong things or, you know, whatever, be less patient. But what happens when somebody suddenly, there's like a real need? So now you have a choice. You can say, you know, somebody is, I don't know, in, in pain or in trouble or, you know, we're talking about people who have to go to the hospital, right? 
So then you say, okay, I'm going to do something that's actually detrimental to myself and my avoda. But I'm doing it because what is called upon me now in my avoda actually works against the greater picture of my avoda. Then Hashem is the magain. Then Hashem steps in and acts in a manner to protect us. Right? So he says the example here is like Avram being thrown into the Kivshan Aish or going to fight against five kings. Right? Says that um, when Avram was thrown into the fiery pit, into the fiery pit of Nimrod, and then came out, the Malachim said, Baruch Ato Hashem Magain Avraham. There's an interesting source for our bracha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right? Wowzers. <laughs> okay. So um I saw let's see. Let's see if I can put my hands on it quickly. I saw this in Rabbi Wassinger. Um Rabbi Wassinger says this is really very, very tremendous safer. He says, Yitzchak is predominantly related to the aspect of Ozer, recipient of God's aid, receiving bountiful material resources and divine assistance in utilizing the resources. I guess that's like with the wells and the flocks and things. Yaakov primarily relates to the aspect of Moshiach being the recipient of God's aid, fighting battles with Lavan and Esav and the spiritual battle with the Satan. Avram mainly related to the aspect of Magain, the one who came to recognition of Hashem as the essential power of all powers, the one God whose chesed united the entire world in his service. It was at this in this, there's a pasuk in Tehillim, I think it's in Peidalet, Ki Shemesh Umagein Elohim. God is a sun and a shield. So, well, we've talked about that actually, I think, Sukkah's time, but it'll come up again shortly. But here, the idea that pretty much all energy on the planet is from the sun, one way or another. More directly or less directly, that's kind of where it starts from. So that provides a mashal for saying Hashem is a sun, right? Hashem's not a sun, he's not a star, right? But that idea of one single source of all energy and chesed, whether we see it directly or through other patterns and, you know, whether it it first heats, you know, lava or ends up in the core and then is hot or whatever it is. So that is something that Hashem, that, that Avraham was the one who recognized. Um, no, he doesn't say a source for that about the Magain. He doesn't say. I mean, it sounds like Medrash. I, I don't see. Okay. Um, Okay, so that was the magin, which is an interesting, different one. In other words, not just forces from the outside that are attacking that Hashem keeps away from us, but when we actually put ourselves in, in the way of dangerous forces, but for good reasons, then Hashem is our magin. Okay. And Rav Munk just like, adds this little twist onto it. Just as Hashem has shown himself as Melech Ozer Umoshia Umagain since the days of Avraham, he will also show himself that way to us as our Redeemer, maybe Goel Ivnei Like that's, um, 
Hashem is umevi go alivne venehem laman shemo ba'ahava, and we will see melech ozer umoshia umogain to the same degree, just like we talked about, the same love that will be there. I think it was last week, right? That the same love of when we first fell in love with God and He with us, so to speak, that will be recaptured again in the time of the redemption. So we will also have that same overwhelming ability to see that Hashem is our Melech, our Ozer, our Moshia, and our Magin. The Sfasemis says, what's Magin Avraham? That God is the shield of Avraham. So he says, this is describing the embedded nature, the spiritual nature that is embedded inside of every Jew from our forefathers. That's the idea of Rachmanim, Bashanim, Gomli, Chasodim. It's what we are. So while we don't demand of anyone to be anything other than who they naturally are, right? we don't say, well, this person is very, has some quality and we should now demand of him to have the opposite quality. But when it comes to Rachmanim, Bashanim, and Gomli, Chasodim, these Midos, we do expect in a Jew. Therefore, that's expected and demanded, and that is also Magen Avraham. That is a protection for Avraham. Hashem says, don't worry, I will protect the Avraham in your children, which is like an amazing bracha. Right? <laughs> don't worry, what you, who you are, I will protect inside of your children. So why is that a good opening for Shmona Esrei, Rabbi Lef asks, based on that Tzvah Semes? Because that sort of sounds like it's damning for us. If we have all this potential and we stand before Hashem and he looks at us and he sees, you know, little bits of the souls of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov floating around inside of us, then isn't that pretty much damning that we don't live up to it when we stand before God? And he said, Mogain, we have been low, but we remind Hashem that there is the potential of the Avos in us. It's not hopeless. Give us another chance. If This I found... I, I noticed separately, not from this Rabbi Lef, that if you try and cultivate an awareness of that when you open your Shmona Esrei, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, and that in saying their names, it's sort of like you're shining a light that lights up inside of you those, those genes. You know, it's as if you know, someone had some kind of like electron microscope that was big enough that you could look at a person. And when you looked at them, you'd see all these fragments of genes. And depending on the filter you put, you'd see different things light up, you know? So God has this spiritual lens to look at us. And when he looks at us, you know, when we say the words of David HaMelech, there's an, we're evoking the memory of David HaMelech next to us. And when we say, okay, Abraham, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov, we, all throughout of our body and our soul, we're lighting up in those colors of their presence and their souls within us. And um, that says to Hashem, I'm somebody worth giving a chance to. There's a lot of potential in here. And it also says to me, there's a lot of potential here. I'm worth giving a chance to and, and sticking with it. Okay. Um, Rav Pincus, this is just a small selection. He has quite a few essays on this topic. But... With regard to Magin Avraham, and as the end of this whole bracha of Chesed and Avraham, the Mida of Avraham Avinu, 
is, as is well known, the Mida of Chaser, with which he clung to his creator and the creator of all worlds, and through the lens of which he saw the whole world and the whole Torah by means of this Mida. He looked at the world from a point of view of Chaser. And the Mida of Chaser is the root and foundation of all of creation and how it functions. Meaning, when you have this list of chesed, gvura, tiferes, netzach, hod, right? It starts at chesed, and then it cascades through these other midos and how, they, how it plays out in these different aspects. But it all starts at the chesed part. Hang on one second, I lost my place, sorry. Which is why there is a pasuk, olam chesed yibaneh, the world is built on chesed. Because the world is actually built from chesed. Right? Not just that the society is constructed on people's kindnesses to each other. And all of the existence of the creation is Hashem's chesed. <coughs> chesed that is not to receive anything else, it's just chesed. But more than this, there are other aspects of Hashem's behavior. There's chesed, there's gavura, there's teferes. But mikoma kom ein hakavona shemidas hakavura hadin hi anhagal la'atzma asher yisoda v'shorshah hudin. Midas tiferes shorsha tiferes. Ela yisod kol hayisodos v'shorsh kol hasharasim b'chol sidrei anhaga hi midas hachesed. When we say that there's chesed, but there's also gavura, or din, and there's also tiferes, or emes, we are not meaning to convey that each of those is a separate entire root and foundation of its own. Rather, all of those flow out from chesed. Chesed can then take the form of gavura. Chesed can take the form of emes. Chesed, that's a very important distinction because it means that even when there's a situation of tremendous din, if you follow it back all the way to its root, which we don't always have the information to be able to do, what you would find is chesed at the root of that. It's only that in order for chesed to get fully expressed in action, there need to be 10 different ways that it can play out. Those are the 10 different spheros. But every one of them comes at its root and foundation from God's simple will to do good. All of it comes from the chesed, originally. So what's a mashal to this? A father who hits his son. It's always very popular, mashal. <laughs> Probably falling out of favor as the generations go by. Okay. To someone who's standing on the side, a, by, a bystander sees this and he sees cruelty. He sees real cruelty. A big grown-up person hitting a small child, right? I mean, how much more of a bully can someone be? A 32-year-old man hitting a two-year-old? And this poor child, he's weak. And there's no one to protect him. And he doesn't stand a chance in this bullying fight. But the truth is, now, obviously, we're not talking about abuse. He's just talking about, like, the kid ran into the street. Dad grabs him out and gives him a spanking. Mm -hmm. So someone's standing there, and they see he grabs this small child and whops him. Okay, but the truth is that even though externally what we see is an action that looks like din, even if we understand it as being fair, say, okay, but it's fair, there's rules, and he has to learn the rules, so it's fair, the root of it is actually great kindness. In fact, it's greater kindness than if the din were not there, right? When it's a, 
it's easier not to discipline children. It doesn't make your life more fun, but eventually they'll grow up and move out. So like, it's easier just not to confront. And it's easier not to get involved. And it's easier not to have the hassle and have them screaming at you. There's a greater love that comes from invoking the din. Then it, it's harder work. And yet it comes from greater love than if you just said, you know what, forget it. Now with adults, adult children, that's different. We might talk about that on Shabbos soon. With adult, you know, parenting adult children is not exactly the same as parenting little children. So, <laughs> okay. But what you see when you see the father yank this kid out of the street and whop him is actually the rachmanus and the chesed of the father for his son out of his love for him. And it's his powerful desire to see that his son has what is good. And he's only hitting him in order to improve it for him now and in the future. And this is a model for what we see activated sometimes that appears to be din in the world. But you need to know that if you could follow, if you can follow the trail far enough in, it all turns out to be rachamim, right? This, um, he does not say this here, but this is the idea that we've talked about in the past where the Gemara in Brachos says, a person has to, just as we bless Hashem for the good, we bless Him for that which is bad. What's the bracha for what's good? Baruch Hashem hametiv. What's the bracha for that which is painful? Baruch Hashem dayan ha'emes. And in the next world, what's the difference between this world and the next world? That in the next world we only say Baruch Hashem hametiv. That's really the same idea. When you have a full picture and a full view, it's not saying that that the world will change, now there's no more din, and other, it's not what it means. It means you can see all the way to the end of something and the purpose, that's HaTovah HaMetiv. Okay, back to Rav Pincus. Okay, this, um, this concept is something which we seek to emphasize in the first bracha of Shemona Esrei. We're at the root of it all here with Avraham, who's the root of the Jewish people, and with Chesed, which is the root of Hashem's interaction with us. Because as, as we've already seen coming, we've sort of foreseen, Shemona Esrei is about the unfolding of God's will into the world, starting with chesed and ending with shalom. So we emphasize this chesed in the first bracha, that all of Hashem's hanhagos in the world are really chesed. And just like this chesed is included in that idea of Elokei Avraham, so we also have Elokei Yitzchak and Elokei Yaakov, but you know what? They're all really Elokei Avraham. So here we have Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, Hakel Hagadol Hagibor Vehanora, Chesed Din Emes, Gomel Chasad and Tovim Vekone Hakov Zocher Chasde Avos, Ozer Moshe Al Magen. But then when we get right down to it, it's Magen Avraham. In other words, it's Chesed. When you get right down to encapsulate it all, it really all comes down to one single source of Hashem's behavior in the world, and that's Chesed. Olam Chesed Yibane. Therefore. Even though we add things like hakel hagadol hagibor vehanora, what we mean is that that kale, he is gadol, he is also gibor and nora. It's all hakel hagadol. That kale who is gadol, yeah, he's gibor, yeah, he's nora, he's hakel hagadol. It doesn't stop being gadol because of gibor and nora. Those are just ways that that plays out. Good morning. Good morning. Yay! I love all the purple. Thank you so much, Martha. The root and the foundation of everything is chesed. So the end of the bracha 
always has to be, this is a rule, by the way, in, in halacha, okay? The closing of a long bracha always has to match the opening of the bracha. And when the words are not the same, then it means you have to learn what it is that really, why are these actually the same idea? We've seen that before, right? We had that with um, Baruch Sha'amar, but we had it even more with the last bracha in brachos, where it opens with hamavir sheina me'enai and ends with hagoma chasadim tovim lamo Yisrael. We said, what's, what does one have to do with the other? <coughs> and yet they're one bracha. <coughs> it can't be two different ideas. Right? So that over there, we, we said, we're thanking Hashem for opening our eyes and removing the sleep. In other words, helping us to see the world as it really is. <coughs> that there is Hashem and that he is here moving everything. And from there, we, and when we close with Hashem has done chasadim tovim for his Jewish people, that's the same thing. That's the chesed, that he has woken us up and given us the Torah and made us aware of his presence in the world. And it's la'amo Yisrael to the Jewish nation in particular, and there's some of say over there because we're supposed to bring that to everybody. So that's why hamav or enai is specifically in this sense. It starts here and hopefully spreads out that awakening process. Okay, so the end of a bracha has to match the beginning. And over here, the beginning of the bracha was, Blessed is Hashem, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. And it ended with, Mogen Avraham. Meaning we start, the opening of the bracha was the God of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And the closing of the bracha was the God of Avraham. And yet, the beginning and end of a bracha have to match. Well, now you could understand how the beginning and the end of this bracha actually match. Because if you know that everything really springs out of chesed, even all the other midos and spheros that are listed after chesed, then you understand that when you say, okay, Avraham, okay, Yitzchak, okay, Yaakov, what you're saying is, okay, Avraham. Right? So, so it matches, which is like a great, a great match. Um, what's the difference then? Meaning, so why not just say, okay, Avraham, and stop there? Because the beginning is the pattern that everything gets built out of. But then we detail the pattern of its expression. Meaning you have one concept, chesed, that's where it all comes from. But then as it emerges and becomes realized and actualized, what are the details of the form that that takes? That's what's listed when we say Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. God's all gibor and Noah. What we're doing is we're now listing the forms that the chesed takes as it emerges and becomes actualized, lemaisa from the world. Okay. Which is like a very helpful. I found that, that that piece by itself is a really helpful way to frame that bracha and think about it when you're actually talking. Okay, so this concept of Magen Avraham and Magen Avraham being <laughs> the source of all of it and also the beginning of a process of actualization, of coming from the potential and then breaking into branches as it comes down into the, from the potential into the actualized. This is very associated with Magen Avraham. So, I put these pages in like backwards, 175. Okay. When Avraham conquers the, the five kings. Hashem says to him, Al tira Avram, do not fear Avram, Anochi magen lach, I am a shield to you. That's the source 
other than, other than that bracha that the Malachim said, which I don't know what the source is of that statement. Okay, this is the official source for the phrasing of this bracha. Hashem says, I shall, I, or Anochius, right, which is a pretty powerful statement, Anochi, Magenlach, am the shield to you. Scharcha, your reward, Harbe Me'od, is very great. And Avram says, Hashem Elokim. So already he's moving it from just Hashem to Hashem Elokim. Moving it in toward, okay, and how's it going to play out, this reward, right? Because we just said that, that as it moves through the different um, spheros, you're talking about how it actualizes. So now we just went from Hashem, which is chesed and creation, to Elokim, which is din, Hashem Elokim. Hashem Elokim, matitainly, what will you give me? Va'anochi holechariri, so long as I am barren. In other words, giving to me, how, how could that play out down the line if there's no down the line? I have no children, so then where is the down the line of this great reward you're saying you'll give me? It's a fascinating thing that Avram immediately understands. It's all about how it materializes and actualizes and plays out. And so right away you have Hashem Elokim, and you have what will you give me so long as there is no follow-up. I'm barren. And, uh, and the one who takes care of my house is Eliezer, and then, okay, you haven't given me any seed, and there's nobody to inherit from me other than those who live in my house, but they're not actually my children. And then Hashem says, I'm going to take you up above the stars, right, and show you. Okay. Altira Avram. Do not fear Avram. Sorry, like I said, the pages. <laughs> I put them in the notebook going from left to right because it's an English notebook, but then <laughs> when I have more than one page of Chumash, it's rather confusing. It's actually this page comes first, and this page second, and that page third, which is even worse. All right. Okay, so the Dasa Canaan brings the following midrash. Al Tira Avram. Nimsa, it comes out. Kishaharag as Hamalachim. When Avram killed the kings. Nisyare, he became afraid. Shema Nismatu Zahuyosav. Maybe his merits had become less. Okay, whether it's because of, of the killing them that maybe he'll be held accountable for killing people. I mean, I never heard thought of it before, but like Avram is a person who does chesed, and now he went out and like, you know, it's not like nowadays. You can't like push a button over here and like kill them over there and dissociate yourself as if you didn't do anything, which isn't actually the truth, but at least you could pretend to yourself, right? I mean, if he killed them, he had to go out there and like kill them, right? It's kind of a bloody event. It's kind of a bloody event, and, and you can't pretend it wasn't you who did it, right? So whether, whether it was that whether it was because, as some say, maybe Hashem, in protecting him, you know, did it in the merit of his other actions, and now what does he have left? Like, all, his, all the reward kind of is going to just keeping him alive. Like, that's as nice as it is to be alive. You would hate to have that happen. That would be, pre- it would be pretty scary to find out that your whole olam haba went to saving your life for something. I mean, you... you'd definitely want to strive to make that really worthwhile, <laughs> right? That's a tough one. I mean, he'd already let himself be thrown into a fiery furnace. There's a lot of his tests he'd already accomplished. Lech lecha me'artzecha, right? You'd hate to think that that was all gone. Okay, that's another approach. Another approach is the one that Rabbi Lef brought, right? Which is, or I'm sorry, Rav Schwab, which is maybe I've been contaminated by being with these people. 
right? Sodom says, oh, here, I'll, I'll give you the money. Just give me the people. And I said, no, I don't want you to say you made me rich. Like, who knows what he's, how he's lowered himself in this kind of negotiating and fighting and, right? He, maybe he feels like he's somehow lowered. So in whatever way it is, he was afraid that his merits were less. Amar lo yisparach. Hashem Yisparach said to him, Biarta kotzim min hakerem. Don't worry about having killed these people. You were just burning out the thorns in my vineyard. <laughs> okay? Once in a while, you got to come through and weed out the junk. Al tira. Do not be afraid. Anochi mogimlach. I shall shield you. I shall be a shield for you. Ulakach omrim. Therefore, we say magain avraham. The bracha of magain avraham. And in the hour that Yitzchak was bound, his soul flew out of him. When he was lying there on top of a mizbeach, on top of the wood, with his hands tied tight and his feet tied tight and his ankles and his, and his wrists bound together, and his father lifted the knife and it started to fall, his soul just leaped right out of his body. The al salamarum and it went up on high. V'chazra legufo. And then it was returned back to his body. V'hechiyu. And it brought him back to life. L'chein hiskin. Therefore, we have the next bracha, mechaye hamesim. That's what corresponds to Yitzchak. V'nimsa b'midrash. And we find in the midrash, it's also a very interesting thing to add on over here, that when Yitzchak's soul blossomed up out of him, it's interesting that it's, it's flew out, but parcha is really like to blossom. So it's not really a negative term. It's a very positive term. When his soul flew up, it went up on high, and it gazed upon the glow of the shechina. Dichtiv, as the verse says, Kilo yireni ha'adam v'chai, which we've come across many times, Hashem said it to Moshe. No man can see me and live. But of course, he wasn't alive at that instant, and he was able to see the Shechina. Then he came back to life. V'lekach, and therefore v'techahena enov meiraos. His eyes were dimmed once he came back to life. There was somehow a limitation on his ability to see in this world that didn't come back. That, that was killed with him and stayed gone, essentially, because of that, which is not a punishment. <laughs> it goes to show a lot of, you know, back to that idea that din and chesed, you know, sometimes what looks on the outside like a din, on the inside, you, this is a tremendous chesed. I heard once that um, that was why when Rivka was brought to him, it says he came in from the field. So some say the reason she suddenly slid down and covered her face was because she was overcome. Like this was not a normal human being that she was seeing. This was just as he was basically <coughs> coming back from Gan Eden. <laughs> okay. And at the time when Yaakov saw the Malachim going up and down, and escorting him at every moment, 
Okay, he realized he's leaving and he sees that there's malachim that have been escorting him up till now and there's malachim that'll go with him. And then when he comes back from Chutz Laretz, again, right, he sees um, he calls this place Machanayim because there's a, another changing of the guard of angels. And that these malachim at all moments were giving praise to God and blessing him. And that is why, with regard to Yaakov, we say the bracha, the third bracha of Shorna Esrei, Hakel HaKadosh, the powerful and holy God. Okay. I th- one of the, le- okay, it, it, first of all, this is a fundamental Dasakanim, because he's telling us the source of these three brachos and what they each tie to. But the question is, why does it tie to those things? I mean, why that event in Yitzchak's life, or why this event in Yaakov's life? Would Chazal say, let's take the language of that event and make that the bracha that represents their life, or, or the, the midah of their life, and how it's a reflection of Hashem's midos to us. Why is it that aspect? I mean, they had more things that happened in their lives than that. Why those? And that, I think, comes back to Avram's question. What are you giving me if I am barren? What are you, how will this play out? And Hashem says, don't worry, it will play out in your descendants. It will play. Now, there is a line that's coming. It will play out. Okay. And Chazal's response seems to be, this is how it plays out. But how, meaning how does Mechaye HaMesim have something to do with Magen Avram? And how does Hakel HaKadosh have something to do? Why these events? So, Here's kind of what I'm thinking. Oh, uh-huh. here's the handout in case you wanted to follow along before. <laughs> yeah, all right. Look, I have two versions of this. I'm not sure. There you go. It uh, won't hurt us actually still to, to have that. Just make sure there isn't another one I should have given the long way. Okay, good. All right, so... Rashi says here, and I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't include that on the source sheet. I have a note that says include the Rashi next time. <laughs> um, here's what Rashi says. It was achar hadvarim ha'ela, after these things, meaning the war with Sodom, oh, at first Sodom. It was after these things that Hashem said, al tira avram anochi mogin lach scharchahar bemeod. Kol makom shenemar achar. Every place, Rashi says, where the Torah uses the word achar, achar hadvarim ha'ela, after these things, it means samuch, adjacent to, very close. Achare, if it said achare hadvarim ha'ela, which also means after these things, it would mean muflag, more distant, not apparently connected. So the achar tells us it's very closely connected, and that's Bracious Rabbah. After these things happened means it's immediately following on the heels of the previous event, after Hashem made a miracle for him that he was able to kill all these kings and their armies, more or less single-handedly. And then he was worried and concerned and said, Shema kibalti schar al Maybe I've already been rewarded for any good I've ever done. There's a certain humility there. Lakach amar lo hamakom. By the way, there's a certain humility there that's appropriate. Um, Rabbi Orlok once said, how, how, do, how do you know what you deserve? It's not for us. We're not allowed to say, I deserve this or I don't deserve any more than we can. Okay. Just like we can't say, but I deserve to have more, we're not allowed to say, I don't deserve to have. 
because who are we to know what we deserve or don't deserve? It's a very uh, interesting <laughs> thing, all right? So he said, maybe, maybe that's it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how much my righteousness has been valued, and I don't know how much reward there is, and this was an awfully big miracle. I just had open miracles happen to me. Therefore, Hashem said to him, do not fear, Avram. I shall be your shield, min ha'onish, from punishment, that you will not be punished for all those people that you killed. And that, that you're worried about reward, your reward will be great. Okay. So this thing of, like, the reward will be great, where does it come from? How can you see in the fact that he's worried that there's any question of reward here? Like, what, what's Hashem's response? Now, this is interesting, and it took me a little while to work out which is what the Gra says. I ended up having to go online to look it up, okay? Lashon Magin, hu Lashon Chinam. So I'm going, what? Because I'm ignorant, right? I don't know Aramaic. Like, <laughs> Lashon Magin. So I told you that the word Magin means shield. I probably wasn't the first one to tell you that Magin means shield, right? Magin David, I don't know. Comes up. All right. Maral says, Lashon Magin, hu Lashon Chinam. It's a word meaning free. So I actually had to go online and check. And in fact, in Aramaic, Mogain means matnas chinam, davar shalchinam, she'enoshav, a free gift. Something you didn't pay for. That's what a Mogain is. Okay? Magan. And in fact, the Targum translates Mogain in some places as Magan. A, a, it means a free gift. That is the reward for people who do chesed. Okay? This is like an awesome maharal. Hashem said, do not be afraid. I'll give you freely. Why is Hashem tell Avram he'll give? Don't, worry, don't feel concerned that you won't have reward. I'm just going to give to you. Why? Because that's the appropriate reward for someone who gives freely. People who do chesed are people who are giving without seeking reward. Avram didn't seek reward. At this moment, it occurred to him to worry because Hashem had done so much for him. But the way he gave was not considering anybody giving to him. Right? He could give to the people of Sodom. He could daven for the people of Sodom. He could go and save Lot. He gave. He gave of himself. He is chesed. All he thinks about, I saw this wonderful... Rav Hirsch gives an amazing comparison. Maybe we talked about this on the chesed side. Um, a person stands in the circle of his own world, at the center of his own world, each person. So you can stand at the center of your world, and you can stand there as taiva. Taiva meaning a desire to suck into yourself. So what you seek from taiva is to bring as much as possible within that circle of your influence for your use. You become a black hole, essentially, in the middle of your universe. Or you can stand at the middle of your universe and you can see yourself as a point from which giving goes out. And then you seek to expand the circle of your influence out farther and farther as giving, rather than stuffing your circle of influence closer and closer with taking. It's an amazing image, right? So in one of them, you're like this porthole channel for Hashem's bracha to flow through to others. And in the other one, you see yourself as sucking everything into yourself.
those who are gomle chasadim, who give, are purely giving. And therefore, it is appropriate that Hashem says, you know what the reward is for being a gomel chasad? I'm just giving to you. I give to you the way you're giving to others, essentially. Because people who do chesed, they eat the fruits of, you know, we do have this description of like, that the, the vine is in the next world, but it keeps giving fruit year after year, and you eat the fruit of it in this world, right? That's kind of that, right? Or the, the, the other way we talk about it is like a fund of money, so the capital is there, but it's earning interest, and the interest is what you can use in this world without touching the capital there. Mm-hmm. So they, the people who do chesed eat the fruits in this world, and they're free. They don't come off the expense of the capital, or they don't come at the cost of cutting right off the vine and making the vine smaller. The karen lasts into the next world. And therefore, his sechar is very great. In the next world, which is where it matters. It doesn't matter, you know, this, like it, the, the worst consequence would be to find out that what was in the next world, God had to get used up down here. That's a disaster, right? And Hashem said, no, no, don't worry. And, and the way that it matches up so perfectly is awesome. Okay, so now this, this playing out, this is what I want to come back to, that Avram says, what kind of reward is it if it isn't playing out into the future, if it doesn't go from the potential into the actual? And this same idea, which is the idea of Mogein Avraham expressed as Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchok, and Elokei Yaakov. And how do we see that in the three brachos that correspond to the forefathers and those particular events that are the sources of those brachos? But we have Mechaye HaMesim for Yitzchok and Hakel HaKadosh for Yaakov, what, what do those have to do with this topic? Okay, so I think that what it comes down to is this idea, which we see starting at the Akeda, which is appropriate, because there you've got Avram and Yitzchak, right? Okay. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> That can't be right. What did I write there? Oh, maybe it could be right. <laughs> so starting in Boratius, <coughs> always a good place to start, right? Pasuk Dalid, Paragal of Pasuk Dalid. Vayar saor kitov, and God saw that the light was good. That is the first place where seeing appears in the Torah. Okay, so... What I'm going to suggest is that seeing is kind of what we're talking about here. Because what, is see, what does it mean to see? <coughs> and the Ramban says, but in this part of Chumash, you know what, I'm just going to read it from my notes. What is seeing? Um, Hashem saw the light was Good. Hold on. Vayomer Elokim Yehi Or Vayi Or. Maybe that's what it's on. Sorry. Okay. Hotzas Hadvarim El Hapoal. Ramban says, bringing something from potential to 
reality, I guess, Paul, activation, is called in the Torah, Amira, speaking. So when it says, Vayomer Elohim Yehior, God said, let there be light, that itself took the potential of light and turned it into the actualization that there is light. That is the creation act when it comes to God. That was why we had on Shabbos, right? This is what God has said. What God has said is the reality. But if we think about it with people, what it does is it takes the potential of a concept or an idea and turns it into the smallest physical expression of that. That's what speech is. Take something from a kind of amorphous place where you can't, nobody else knows about it and turns it into something that can be seen. Okay, so what's seeing then? Kiyumam. Kiyum is um, making something last. So now it keeps going and will stay that way always. That's called re'iyah. Vayomer Elohim yehi or vayehi or. Vayar Elohim esaor kitov. When the Torah, when Hashem describes that he says something, it's describing to us that he has taken something from potential and actualized it. And when Hashem uses the term, he sees something, because what would that, God can see everything all the time, right? That he sees something, it means now he's, he's looking at it, and then that looking, so to speak, and the seeing of it, it's its permanent existence. It will always ever be that way. Okay. And that's why Chazal say over there that Hashem saw that light and saw that it was good and it would need to be, <clears throat> he desired its kiyum to last forever because in terms of God, if something is kayam, it's kayam forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay. That's why it's kitov. Okay, that which is good is something which is already in the state which God wishes it to always, forever continue. <coughs> All right, so God saw the light, Kitov, and he put it away for the tzaddikim in the next world. Because if it had been just left out there, people were going to come and sin. That's what Rashi says, right? You're going to have sin, you're going to have the door hamabo, you're going to have the door haflaga, and then that light would not last forever and ever and ever. So because God saw that it was good, right, what does it mean he saw? He wasn't surprised by it. That process that's described in the Torah as Hashem seeing is a process that means Hashem wishes it to last forever. Okay, so now that it's getting late, <laughs> um, that's, I should have stopped before starting this piece. So what I'll do is I'll just finish the introduction of it, and then we can continue it whenever we continue it. I'm not sure. Okay, we have something comparable with people. So we see it also in the Ramban at Akedas Yitzchak. Vayera. Okay. And Hashem, it was after these things, <laughs> and Hashem Nisa tested as Avraham. And Avram said, here I am. Okay, and the Ramban says, what does it mean to test someone? So Hashem knows what a person will do. So even though the person from his own perspective has absolute freedom of choice, 
And what he wishes to do, he can choose. And what he doesn't wish to do, he can not choose. So we can say that from the point of view of the person who's being tested, that he has a nisayon, a test, in the sense that we use that word. But what on earth could it possibly mean from the point of view of Hashem as the one providing the test? If Hashem knows perfectly well what a person's going to do, then what's the point of it all? He says it's because Hashem's goal is lahotzi hadavar min hakoach el hapoal. This is comparable to the amira, the saying. Vayomer Elohim, the creation of something in the world, the equivalent of creating into a person is giving them an opportunity to make a choice. And when they choose to do something that's in this test, right? Now what they've done is they have brought some aspect of themselves from potential into actualization. Okay. Now, if that's so, then what's the equivalent then of the kiyum of something, which is re'iyah? That Hashem looks at something and we call that its kiyum. Because you know what? There's something really interesting, which is at the end of the Akedah, Avraham's reaction is, he brings this, this ram, Avram calls this place God shall see, which is always a very, very puzzling pasuk. That we would say today, on this, on this mountain, God is seen. Okay, if we understand, what does it mean, Hashem Yireh? God will see. That is the bringing of something into kiyum, into permanent everlasting state, that state that it has become is somehow locked in forever. That's a good thing, because something that's locked in forever means it's reached a state of tov. And sure enough, it's interesting, Hashem says to him, now that you've done this and not held back your child from me, your, your children are going to go on and 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 on. So it has happened. There is this kiyum. What has changed then was the action. Okay? So there were two levels. There's the choice and there's the action. And that choosing seems to correspond to the amira and the action corresponds not to the re'iyah but, but to creating that which can be seen, which is what we would call das. When you know something through das, through experiencing it, if it's tangible and you can see it there, it's somehow different and makes a longer impression than that which you just thought about, right? Something that has become actualized, and in actualizing, it did, now we move from the koach to the poal, but in acting on that poal, now we have something that's permanent, which is an idea that actually isn't so strange to us, because we've been told before that our actions last forever. Our actions, while themselves they are finite, what we achieve in our actions last forever. That's our mitzvot go on and on and on. Okay, so the process of nisayon, of, okay, the word nisayon means elevation, by the way. It doesn't mean a test. A nace is, an, is a miracle, right? A nace is an overturning of the laws of the physical um, by spiritual force, okay? Nisayon is when a person has the opportunity to use supernatural force to overcome the physical pull inside of them. The laws of nature inside the person. A person overcomes that. That's a nisayon, right? And the word nace means a banner. It's something that you brought it up much higher than it was before. 
can be seen from a higher point. Okay? And throughout the Akedah, over and over again, they're seeing. They see the place. Hashem will show the, the sheep. Um, now, Hashem says, now I know. Now I know. Meaning, now we have experienced in the physical world that you fear God. What, like nobody knew that he feared God before? This is like a different degree of it. Okay? Um, Rena pointed that out to me, by the way, that idea of bringing something from the koach al hapol and making it permanent. Okay. Now, what I wanted to, to point out is that when we go back, when we go back to all those examples, of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they're all examples of seeing. Okay? So, in the case, sorry, in the case of Hashem saying, Anochi lach, I shall be your shield, that's introduced with Hashem appeared to him in a vision. And with Yitzchak, that he gazed upon, like, wh- why add that piece of information? I mean, it's interesting, sort of tidbit, to say that he died and came back, and by the way, while he was dead, he gazed upon the Shechina. And with Yaakov, that he saw the Malachim coming, like he didn't know God was protecting him, he must have God was protecting him. There's something different about the seeing of it. And that in that higher vision of a higher level of spirituality, we have something called Kiyum. There's a level of Kiyum, of that which lasts and lasts and lasts, and will be eternally that way. And I think that that's the, the playing out of Eloke Avraham, Eloke Yitzchak, Eloke Yaakov. It plays out, it plays out generationally. It plays out to all of the children and spiritual grandchildren of the Avos. And it, the playing out has to do with not only the different expression within each person, but the eternal expression within all of these descendants of the Jewish people. So that coming back to Baruch Ato Hashem Magen Avraham, blessed is Hashem who defends Avraham, who shields him, who protects him and keeps him going in himself and in his creation that follows him. Um, the question's going to be, are we meeting next week?